Welcome to the First Church Message of the Week podcast. Thanks for listening in. As we have reflected on ways God has been and is with us over the past weeks, we give thanks for the assurance that God is not only leading us into the future, but equipping us to set up future generations for success as well. As we come together, we celebrate the invitation and opportunity to share our treasures and invest in our present and future mission as a church. Now, perhaps more than ever, your generosity can make an enormous difference as we sing new songs and come together as God's church for God's world. To help us see tangible ways those treasures are making a daily difference in the world, we'll also reflect on how our giving reflects our values and how we are called to equip, invest in, and expand these ministries. Here is the First Church Message of the Week. I want to invite you to pray with me. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for your generosity and for the abundance of gifts that you give us that we are able to share and extend and multiply. In this time of listening for your word, we ask that you would open our ears anew, that we can hear your voice clearly in our midst, open our eyes that we might see you clearly, and our hearts that we might love you more deeply as you rid us from any and all distractions, so that all that we see and hear and know and feel and speak are of you. Amen. So over these past few weeks, we have been talking and working our way through our stewardship series as we have come together for joy, celebrating the gift of being together and reflecting on the joy that comes in acknowledging that not only is life better and more full when we are together, but also I think each of us individually are a little better when we have people around us who are pouring into our lives in good ways as well. Each of us are then better as a result when we take all that we have and we allow it to come together to help us to do more and to do better and to be better. Uh, A good example of pooling our resources, whether they are emotional or physical or spiritual or financial, might be exactly what we just saw on this video, right? I don't know about you, but I can't eat my food for $1.50 a day most days. But when we come together, we can expand what we can do in community. And so that's one of many examples of ways that we are all better when we get to share life together. Whether it is our challenges or our greatest of joys, it is a gift to be able to live our lives together in community, realizing that everything's a little easier or a little better when we get to do them together. And that is true whether we are looking back on all that has been or looking on the present of what is or looking ahead to the future for joy. And so today I want to talk about looking ahead to the future and ways we can prepare for that. And I want to invite you to do that with me as we read from the psalm we have been reading through. Over these past couple weeks, we've been reading a few verses a week from Psalm 98. And today we're going to reflect on three more verses, verses 7 through 9. But since we haven't yet, I thought we would read all of Psalm 98 together. Um, And so when I say we read all of Psalm 98 before anyone panics, it's only nine verses, not a couple hundred like some of the others. And so we're going to read Psalm 98, verses 1 through 9. You're welcome to follow along on the screens with me. The psalm says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. 
His right hand and his holy arm have gotten him victory. The Lord has made known his victory. He has revealed his vindication in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the victory of our God. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of the melody. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who live in it. Let the floods clap their hands. Let the hills sing together for joy at the presence of the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Here ends our reading of Psalm 98. Words from Psalm 98 that together make a poetic hymn or a kind of song of praise to God who is with us through all things, it assures us. More than that, though, these words also assure us that God has given us all that has been, all that is, and all that ever will be. And our words today from these last three verses even end with a reminder that God alone is the judge of the world. Good news, by the way, because that judgment over the people of the world, it says, will come with equity. That means that God is just and loving and kind, maybe even fair, which in a world that's so often feels unfair or rarely impartial, it's nice to be reminded that our God is a just God. And in some ways, when I think about what it means to have a just God or a God who is fair and righteous, it reminds me of a story that I read in a book recently. It is a story, a book by Pastor Kent Millard, who in his book called The Gratitude Path, he tells a story about life that just isn't fair through the eyes of his child who's in fifth grade, which is what, about 10 years old, probably? And as you can imagine, many fifth graders can experience the unfairness of life. And it's a big deal when you experience it for the first couple times, right? And so in this story, Kendall, the name of Pastor Kent's son, was in intimately aware of how unfair life could be when his father sat him down to tell him the devastating news that their family was going to have to move. Pastor Kent had been sent to serve in another place, and so their family would be moving so he could take this new position. And you can imagine the response of a child who cannot understand why they would have to move just because his parents said so, right? And as he tells the story in his book, he even describes that Kendall crosses his arms and defiantly says, I am not going to move. My best friend in the whole world lives here. I like my school. I like my church. I like my room. I'm not moving. And undeterred, by the way, by explanations about how, well, the whole family's going to move together and we're going to sell the house. That didn't matter to Kendall. In fact, in a matter-of-fact way, he replied, then that's fine. I'll just rent my room from whoever buys the house. Life is unfair sometimes, isn't it? 
Now, much to his dismay, Kendall does, in fact, end up moving with his family across the state. Fortunately, though, the new community where they were moving knew that this was hard on him. And so they were ready for him. And so they get into the new house where they'll be staying, a parsonage, and they are exploring the house for the first time, and Kendall makes his way into the basement and sees that in the large family room, there is a table set up with a huge electric train and track all set up, ready to go, and plugged in. All they have to do is flip the switch to turn it on. And next to this big electric train is a sign that says, For Kendall from the family who had just moved out. Kendall, in this moment, is shocked because he's never even met these people. Why would they do something nice for him? But they did it because they knew that it was hard for him to move in this time, and they wanted to help ease that pain a little. And frankly, their own children who loved and played with this electric train set were grown and out of the house, and it was much better utilized in Kendall's trusty hands. And that kindness and that joy, well, it softened Kendall a little. And it made the day a little easier as he then later in the day it got better. When Pastor Kent invited a colleague over who had a son about the same age of Kendall, and he and John, the other child, came over intending to help them unpack. But since Kendall and John became fast friends, they did the far more important business of ignoring the unpacking and instead playing with the new train set and exploring the neighborhood. All the good priorities of being a fifth grader. And all in all, for Kendall, then, it turned out to be a pretty good first day, especially for someone who never wanted to move. And so the story continues through Pastor Kent's lens as he says that he's in his office, his home office, unpacking the next day when he sees Kendall walk in with his hands cupped. And he walks up to his desk and he says, here, God, give this to God. And he dumps a pile of coins on the desk. Now, surprised, of course, because Kendall had never done anything like this before, Pastor Kent asks his son, well, why do you want to give this money to God? To which Kent just shrugs like it's no big deal and says, I just want to say thanks. I just want to say thanks. Thanks for what? He asks him. Oh, you know, my new train, my new friend John, my new room, all of it. I just want to say thanks. Kendall had experienced some unexpected gifts and was filled with gratitude as he suspected that God was responsible for giving him these wonderful and unexpected gifts. And so he wanted to say thanks to God by giving some of his money to God. And as Kent thanked him for expressing his gratitude to God with such a generous gift, he also used this opportunity to ask him, well, how did you decide how much you were going to give to God? And Kendall said that he had opened his bank account, one that I imagine isn't so different from the one Sandy had up here today. And he poured all his money out on his bed and he counted it and he decided, well, I'll just give God half of it. Now, Pastor Kent didn't miss this opportunity uh, to point out, at least in his book, that he did not tell his son, you only have to give God 10%. But over the course of these days, Kendall realized that he had been given some kind of unexpected and generous gifts from God, and he wanted to express his gratitude to God by giving some of his own money just to say thanks. And reflecting on this, I can't help but to realize that really that's our motivation for all that we give, for all of us, 
isn't it? Whether we're giving our time or our talents, our financial offerings to God, whatever it is, when we give, it is ultimately just a way of saying thank you to God who has already given so much to us. And when we think about it in this way, I think we are reminded that everything that we are and everything that we have is a gift to us from the hands of our generous God. A generous God who gives us all that we have and all that we are, from the ground that we walk on to the air that we breathe, to the sun that gives us life and the rain that falls on our thirsty ground. God gives us our lives and our bodies and our families and our friends and our church. Everything within and around us is a gift from God. In fact, our scripture today even reminds us of this as it tells us here that there is so much to give thanks for that we should let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who live in it. Let the floods clap their hands, it says, and let the hills sing together for joy. All the world give thanks in chorus for our God who is so generous. Now, I hope when you came in today that you received a pair of these hand clappers. Clappers, by the way, that the idea sourced from this very verse when we thought, what does it look like for the floods to clap their hands? Can you imagine that? Well, what better way to celebrate floods clapping their hands than to clap our own hands, right? managed to use these? I'm guessing no by the looks on your faces and not smile and not be filled with a bit of joy because if you haven't yet or maybe even if you have I hope you'll take a moment to let your hands clap as we imagine the glory and the power and the impossibility of God even bringing forth thanksgiving from the floods that clap their hands it's fun isn't it The presence of God is so good that in scripture, the clapping cannot be contained. Whether it is literal or physical or anatomical or maybe some plastic hands or hands made of water, we clap and we sing together for joy at the presence of the Lord. And it is way more fun to do it together than by yourself, isn't it? Part of coming together for joy, uh, when we talk about that, it isn't lost on me that the literal clapping of these hands, it can be fun for just a moment when we do it on our own. But when we do it together, there's something intangible or contagious about doing it together. Did you feel that when we did it? As with all things, when we come together, it is so much better than doing it alone. It creates opportunity for us to lean into community together, just how God created us to. And it creates opportunity for us to expand the reach of our contributions, too. I mean, if I clap alone, you might hear it a little, right? Maybe you'll for sure see me moving, but the impact is going to be minimal in that moment. The same is true if you clap on your own. But when we all come together and celebrate, the impact is way better than any of us could muster alone. Did you hear the way when we clap, it like rises up like a chorus and it sounds like actually people applauding? Did you notice that? And while using plastic hands or maybe children's toys or whatever, tiny snippets of joy that they offer us though, 
It's an example that might seem silly, but for me, it illustrates a bit of what the goodness of God is like when we truly come together. When we bring all of who we are, and then maybe a little more, then what we expect is greater too. Because I imagine, for example, that no one here thought that you would walk into worship this morning and you would be handed silly little plastic hands, right? And then once you were handed them, I imagine that nobody thought that you would use these little hand-shaped noisemakers in the middle of the sermon. And then one step further, thanks Lucas, one step further, I don't think you thought that if we used them in the middle of the sermon, it would bring you joy or the people around you joy or the preacher joy. I mean, how many weeks do you think I'd stand up here and encourage you to just make as much noise as you can in my sermon? But here we are. It's fun, isn't it? This is how life goes sometimes. Life is full of the unexpected. And if we are paying attention, we realize that that's how it always is with God. That life with God isn't easy or expected, but it can always be joy-filled when we take time to reflect on what is. And perhaps even when we, perhaps also this is true when we take time to, well, lean into the things we don't expect or maybe even the things we don't like for that matter. Because that's true in big and small moments alike that God is with us in the unexpected. Whether we are clapping our little hands or we are moving away from a beloved community like Kendall had to do when God called their family away. In all times and in all circumstances, we know that God is with us. And God has given us all that we are and all that we have. And so let us just say thanks as an act of gratitude. May we give not out of obligation, not out of guilt, not even to meet a church budget, but let us give just to say thanks. Let us give generously from what we know God has given us first. Because if even the floods can clap their hands and the hills can sing with joy, then we too should give thanks with all of who we are this day, and every day. Let's pray together. Holy and loving God, who is generous and ever-present, we give you thanks for the abundance that you pour into our lives and into the whole of the earth. Help us, O God, to respond to you with gratitude and thanksgiving this and every day as we respond in community together for joy. In the name of Jesus Christ, your son. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the First Church Message of the Week. To stay connected, subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook. For more information like our church calendar, worship times, and upcoming events, visit our website at watertownfirst.church. This has been the First Church Message of the Week.